We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Michael S. with a super chat. Did Sam Hartman play at Notre Dame help or hurt his pro status? I, I'd say it's neutral, Michael. Like, I, I don't think he hurt himself. I don't think he helped himself necessarily. I mean, it, look, the same concern, and this is what I talked about before the season, which is why I kind of pushed back on some people saying, like, could he be like a second-round pick, like top 50 type of kid? And I'm just like, guys, like, him playing well at Notre Dame is not going to help his arm strength, right? Like, it's not going to help him being 6'1 even. Like, there are some deficiencies to Sam Hartman's game that I just think are always going to be there, right? Like, I think that's why he is most likely, at best, a really good backup in the NFL. That's most likely his scenario because he is 6'1 with a average to below average and for NFL standards arm strength. And he's a solid athlete for the NFL level from the quarterback position. There's a lot of, a lot of Gardner Minshew in his game, right? Like there's a whole lot. It could he end up being a Gardner Minshew? Maybe possibly like a high end backup. It's possible, but I don't think that anything this year made that less of an objective. Like he is still a good player who has does some good things at a relatively high, uh, a good level. I mean, like there's just nothing that stands out for me with Sam Hartman. So I don't think he moved himself up. Obviously. I don't think he necessarily moved himself down though. I think he's going to be a late drafted player more than likely probably sixth or seventh round. If not, he'll be a priority for agent. And I think he has a chance to stick. That's my, that's always been my thoughts on Sam Hartman. Michael S. Do you think golden stays Al golden? I have no idea. I mean, I would lean towards no, but that's just more assuming that he's going to be a hot commodity. Like I, I think NFL teams especially are going to look at it. And Ryan, you know more about the NFL than I do. So if I'm off base here, correct me, please. I, I think about what he's done the last two years in Notre Dame, especially this year with not a lot of day one, early day two, talent there's some i mean i i think benjamin morrison could be that kind of guy foskey was that guy last year you know maybe riley mills has potential i mean i know you potential to maybe eventually develop into that guy but he's not that right now you know cam hart talent wise is that kind of guy but you know there may be some other things for the draft at the shoulder and different things but you know played like a great player but it it's mostly great try hard guys howard cross nana 
um, Javante Jean-Baptiste. You know, Xavier Watts might be another guy that's a, a day two type of talent, but it's DJ Browns, it's Ramon Henderson's, it's JD Bertrand's, it's Maris Leofowles, it's Jack Kaiser's, it's the Howard Crosses, it's guys like that. He's he's he put an elite defense on the field without the talent that Georgia has had when they're putting elite defenses on the field in the past. And it's it's a lot with scheme and, and all these type of things. And, and he's got a and it was they were an elite pass defense this season. And we're pretty good pass defense. I mean, what did they finish last year? They were, I believe, a top 15 pass defense as far as yards and ratings last year. Let me just go look at that real quick, Ryan, because they ranked pretty high last year as well. They ranked 23rd last year in yards allowed. They ranked, uh, see, 23rd last year in, in, in yards allowed per attempt. And then they ranked 41st in ratings. They weren't quite as good last year, but made a huge jump this year. They're going to finish the season. They finished the regular season, right? Ranked number one in college football in passer rating. They ranked number two in college football in, in lowest completion percentage. They ranked fourth in college football in fewest passing yards per attempt. Uh, they tied for number one in fewest passing yards, uh, few, fewest passing touchdowns allowed, despite giving up or, or uh, teams attempting 45 more passes against them than they had attempted against Penn State and 35 more passes against them than they attempted against Michigan, and they're going to finish the season number one in quarterback rating and number three in fewest yards allowed, despite playing Caleb Williams, despite the fact playing Ohio State, despite the fact they you know playing they, – they played some – some I mean, potentially the number one overall draft pick, a quarterback, they played this year and absolutely shut down. You know, they shut down C.J. Stroud last year. They shut down Drake May last year. Like, they've played some big-time quarterbacks – if I'm an NFL team, I'm looking at what Al Golden's doing, saying that's impressive as far as being a defensive coordinator, and they're not going to give a crap that he doesn't recruit. Sure. Like, they're not going to care one bit. Yeah. I just have to think he's going to be – he could potentially be a hot commodity, especially when you consider the fact he does have that NFL background as a position coach. It's possible. I mean, yeah, I, I think that he is – look, I, I think that for me, Al – I mean, it always depends on what's open, right? I mean, jobs open up so quickly now, so there will be definitely be opportunities that are on the table. But yeah, I think that he'll be appealing to some NFL teams. There's no doubt about it. I think that he kind of hits all avenues, right? Like he's been in several different positions on the college level, obviously a head coach, defensive coordinator now for the last two years and done a really good job in that capacity, especially this year. He's also coached coach linebackers in the in the Super Bowl and made some linebackers into pre, some pretty good players, man. I mean, you talk about what he did with Logan Wilson when he was in Cincinnati, what he did with Jermaine Pratt. Like, turned some guys into pre, some pretty good football players on the NFL level. So I think it's possible. I lean towards him coming back, though, as of right now. I mean, I'm just not hearing much smoke about his name as far as in those NFL circles yet, but also we're in the middle of, middle of an NFL season, right? Like, things aren't going to ramp up until – the end and then into the off season when we'll really start to hear his name a ton. So we shall see, but I, I, I mean, I personally hope he comes back. I do. I think that he's a really good defensive coach and I think that he's been a really good defensive coordinator for Notre Dame, especially this year. Notre Dame was playing championship football on the defensive side of the ball this year. And that was, yes. I mean, Al Golden obviously needs a big credit to that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. We're in the midst of the holiday season, which can bring joy to our lives, but can also bring seasonal blues. This time of the year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot in a time of stress or a time of change. It gives you something to look forward to, to make you feel grounded, and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. It's important to learn positive coping skills on how to set boundaries. There are ways to make sure you have the tools to be the best version of yourself. And that's not something that's only for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. We had a super chat from Trevor Rocket. Thank you so much, Trevor. Brian and Ryan, late to the chat. I liked what I saw from Ashton Craig at center the last two weeks. It's going to be crazy offseason going into the bowl game and the transfer portal. That is why IB is the place to be. should patent that, man. That's good. Or trademark I agree. that, not patent it. I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate that. Trevor, you're awesome. Got, got two for my guy. Got two, two in a row for my guy, Iden, Ryan. Iden says, most important person player on Notre Dame's team staff besides Marcus Freeman and the seniors. Who do we look? Uh, well, I guess we'll just answer that question first. Who is the most important person player on Notre Dame's team on the staff besides Marcus Freeman and the seniors? And, uh, my answer is always going to be the same. It's the strength coach. And whether that's good or bad, it's still important. I mean, sometimes something being important is because you're not good at it. But it, it look, it's it's Marcus Freeman, strength coach, quarterback. That's it. And that's the top three. It doesn't mean those are the only important positions, but that's my top three. For Notre Dame to be a championship team with Marcus Freeman as head coach, they needed a great special teams coordinator, and they got to be really good at quarterback. That's 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 important. I mean, all the other stuff, yeah, you need, need a good defense, need new good coordinators, need a good offensive line coach and all that. But you can have all that, Ryan, and still not be good if you're not good at two and three, in my opinion. And, yeah, I think strength coach would be my answer because I think that for me – Notre Dame is always going to play a brand of football where they are going to have to win in the trenches and they are going to have to out physical teams. A lot of the, a lot of the instances, right? So you look at not only is that a philosophy and an approach to the game, it's also a, you need to be physical in order to play physical, right? Like you need to be strong. You need to have that, you know, that core strength and that physicality and 
all those types of things. So I would say the strength coach as well. Second part, who do we look to emerge this offseason that isn't Jeremiah Love? I mean, there's a lot of guys I'm interested to see emerge this offseason. I, oh, I mean, yeah. right now, I mean, my biggest question mark is eh, not biggest question mark, but one of my biggest question marks is who's the left tackle? I mean, you're going to lose a multi-year All-American that's probably going in the top 10 of the 2024 NFL draft. I mean, Joe Walt is he's that guy, man. I mean, when we talk about this like 10 years from now, as far as like who are the best offensive linemen, Notre Dame has come out in the last 20 years. Joe Walt's going to be in that conversation. Like, there's no doubt about that. It's going to be like him, Quentin Nelson, and Ronnie Stanton. Like, th- th- that's going to be the group, right? So you need to find a left tackle to replace Joe Walt. And whether that is Tosh Baker, or whether that is Emil Wagner sliding over the left tackle, whether that's a young cat, I don't know who the answer is necessarily right now, but I really want to see a left tackle emerge this offseason. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good one because that's probably my biggest question mark about this team for next year is – that the offensive line as a whole, but then I actually feel a little better about the line as a whole after the last couple games. If Blake Fisher does the right thing and comes back, I, I I feel a lot better about it now, but still very, very shaky on the left tackle position. And if Blake Fisher leaves, I'm really shaky on the tackle positions just as a whole. And after that, I mean, you need a, you need some receivers to step up and be kind of the guys. Yeah. You're going to need some linebackers. Like to me, the you know, who do we need to emerge? Like young linebackers, big time. Another guy that I want to see emerge, Christian Gray. You've got a chance to step into that, you know, earn that. You know, you and Jaden Mickey are going to bow. I, I still pray, Coach Mickens, please, 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 please move Jaden Mickey into nickel to replace Thomas Harper and slide Christian Gray in the starting lineup as the field corner. Like that trio, that would perfectly fit Jaden Mickey's strengths, in my opinion. Like, does his does his body type and game not kind of remind you a little bit of Thomas Harper? You know, strong kid and same kind of similar size and all that, and and uh, you know, and then you need some safety, the young safeties. I think this is a big off season for Don Schuler and Ben Minnick, like really big off season because if they have good off seasons with Antonio Carter emerging, Ryan, all of a sudden I feel a lot better about safety next year, even if Xavier Watts leaves, meaning it's going to be a step down without Xavier Watts, but like you feel like there's some dudes there that you can still be good there. You know, and, um, you know, but and if Xavier Watts comes back and it's a great offseason of development for, you know, emergence for, for Adon and, and Ben with Antonio, then all of a sudden you're going to be even more athletic at safety next year than you were this year, even. So there, there's a lot. They're, they're, they're going to need a strong offseason if they're going to be a playoff team next year because there's a lot of talent, Ryan, but it's a lot of inexperienced talent. And that's what they're going to have to focus on. And then OC rumblings. The the only rumblings are that Jared Parker is going to be the offensive coordinator next year. And that's just like if we can just accept that for now. And if that and what I mean for now is like if that changes, I'll let you know. But from every person I've talked to for the last three weeks, whenever I bring up like, hey, this is the latest rumor, they just kind of laugh. Like, dude, I don't know where this stuff comes from because I can promise you that's not something that we're worried about. Because like I'll say this. The Notre Dame offense is going to rank statistically in a far better position this year in year one of Jared Parker than it did last year in year one of Al Golden as the defensive coordinator. Far better. And we saw the jump they made. Can Jared Parker make a summer jump? I don't know. But I definitely believe he's, in Marcus Freeman's eyes, certainly done enough to warrant coming back and being the guy next year. And people ask, well, why doesn't he give him a vote of confidence? Why does he need to give him a vote of confidence? Like, because 
people on Twitter are emotionally feeling a certain way about it. Like if Marcus Freeman had to make statements about his football team based on everything going on on, on Twitter or X or whatever, that's all he would do. Like I, somebody asked me like, you know, why don't you respond to certain things on Twitter? I was like, if I just responded to every emotional thing that I got on Twitter, I would literally have no time to do anything else. Yeah. If I had to respond to every emotional Notre Dame tweet on Twitter, I would have no time for eating, sleeping, spending time with my wife, writing articles, breaking down film, nothing. That's all I would do. I mean, Ryan, you know this. You can get into a time loop where it's like five hours go by and you're constantly responding to craziness on Twitter. And and he shouldn't have to do that. He's got way more important things to worry about. No doubt about it. We had Iden again with another one. Thank you so much for the Super Chat. Taking away DJ Brown's dropped interception. A lot of talk about the dropped interception today. What play do you wish we could have back this season? Who are each of yours favorite Notre Dame player of all time? Just one and why. Uh, can I say for the play I want to take away, Brian, it was that slow developing run against Ohio State where they had just taken Aldrich out of the game after just absolutely gashing Ohio State. I truly believe that, yes, we talked about the DJ Brown interception on that last drive, but if Notre Dame just fed Aldrich on that last draw, offensive drive, I think the game's over, man. I just think it's over. Aldrich was just yeah. moving, man. It was over yeah. with. You know they what were you saw? leaning on Ohio State really hard at that point in time. You, they you know what you just saw against Stanford where it was just like, dang, Aldrich's getting 8 to 10 plus a carry every single time? That's what that last Ohio State drive, uh, last Notre Dame offensive drive against Ohio State was like, man. He was just going to keep gashing them. So I would have mm. kept Aldrich in the game. And I would have rode him to a victory. That would have been my one play. Nope. Sorry, Jer- Jeremiah. You're great, dude. Uh, you know, Jadarian Price, you're great. But Aldrick is ending this game for us right now. He's ending the mm-hmm. game for us. Yeah. Agree. Oh, and uh, favorite Notre Dame player of all time. We oh, yeah, yeah, star. yeah. I've said mine. Uh, it's I'm a tie. Tony Tony Rice and Rocket Ismail are my kind of my tie okay. for mine. Man, favorite Notre Dame player of all time is actually pretty tough for me. I would say the guy that I loved a lot was Tom Zipikowski. He, you know, he was, he just played the game the right way, man. Like again, yeah, there were some mistakes along the way and it wasn't perfect, but that dude put everything he had and he was a leader. And it felt like every time Notre Dame needed a big play that year it was Tom Zipikowski, man, whether that was forcing a turnover on defense, whether that was a punt return, you know, a big punt return in a big spot. I love Tommy Zip, man. He was a really good player. Not surprised at all that that's your pick for that one. Knowing what I know about you and how you played football and all that kind of stuff, it would totally make sense that that's your guy. He's the man. He's the man. All right. Brandon Plensner with a question. Oh, I'm sorry. We had that. We had that. I I accidentally went. I went away from that before we answered it. So give me a second, Brandon. I'm going to, I'm going to find that one again, Ryan. Let's go ahead and answer this one. I I don't know why I did that, but. well, we had, we had a question from Brian Reitz who says, is it realistic to have the thought process of Audre, uh, Joe Walt, Audric Estime, Xavier Watts, and others wanting to come back and playing for a championship? It's 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 realistic. I mean, we've seen it before. Yeah. I mean, Manti Tail and Tyler Eifert made that decision back in 2011. They both made the decision. I mean, Manti, I mean, I've heard people argue, I don't know the if this is true, Ryan, but I've heard people argue that Manti probably gets drafted higher after if after 2011 than he would after 2012. I mean, Manti was incredibly productive. And then he wouldn't have had all the other stuff going on, you know, that that hurt his draft stock or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, Tyler Eifert was coming off a year where he had over 60 catches, 800 yards. I mean, he's probably still a first-round pick. And after 2011, I have to go back and look and see what's 
class was, but he was great 2011, but they, they had unfinished business and they made the decision to come back and do that. And guess what? It worked. I mean, Notre Dame was, Notre Dame's not 12 and 0 if Tyler Eifert and Manti Teo don't come back the next year. I mean, they're, they're just, they're just not. So, I mean, we've seen it before. Um, sometimes guys come back because they feel they just need a little bit more development. And like that was Ronnie Stanley. Ronnie Stanley, from what I was told at the time, was getting like late, late first round feedback from people like in, in the business. But he felt like I'm not ready yet. And Coach Eastan made it in our, you know, look, I can make you even better. And he and he did. He came back and he went from, you know, m- maybe potentially p- getting picked 25 to getting picked six. Right. Was he six overall? Correct. Um, so. and, and, and even if even if. um Laramie Tunsil doesn't get in trouble. He's not falling out of the top 10. Like he's still I, a top 10 pick in that, in that draft class. I, I, I heard that. Uh, I heard a rumor that Ronnie Stanley sent him the gas mask that made him, <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously, but I'd be pretty funny if it was like an yeah. agent that just sent it to him and like incriminated yeah. him. It'd be pretty hilarious, but yeah. yeah. Brandon Bledsner. Here's the question. Is there a legitimacy to Marcus Freeman giving Jared Parker more control over running the offense his way down the stretch? We seeing an offense resembling more of Jared. Par- Are we seeing an offense more resembling Jared Parker's vision? Yeah, I, I believe so. Ryan, I'm, I'm still trying to get more confirmation of that, but I was told, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I was told that there were certain rumblings around that, that he, he had stuff he had responsibly taken away from him at some point in time of the season. I don't know if that's true or not, but what I do feel pretty confident saying is that, that I, I wouldn't say that like control was taken away from other coaches because I, I think Jared Parker very much values any good offensive coordinator is going to value staff cohesiveness and everybody have an input you can't break down an oc can't be the primary breakdown guy for third down offense red zone offense coming out offense you know what are the looks what are the fronts what are the i mean you need other people to have a role saying hey let's let's go third down you know uh dealing talk to me about what you've seen you know uh you know what what and you got to trust that they're doing that and then you you do your own analysis as well but like you've got to trust that your guys are are giving you good feedback and you want them to be open to sharing ideas and you know five brains are better than one. I her whole look, I was an arrogant young coach. I always felt that I was the smartest guy in the room. And, and no one's shocked by that. But I also was brought up to believe but that doesn't mean that you don't value the other brains in the room, right? It's part of the reason why I hired Ryan is because I had a great deal of respect for his football knowledge, for his willingness to say, I don't agree with you. You know what I mean? And here's what I think. There's value in that. There's great value in that. Um, but you also have to be in a situation where at the end of the day, you know, Ryan, you were a football coach. I would hope that you valued the input from other coaches. But at the end of the day, this is my offense, and I'm going to be the one responsible if it works or doesn't work, right? So this is what we're doing, and this is what I want to do. And 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 so do I think that it was more of they ran it the way he wanted it in a lot more areas, I believe that to be true. Um, and that's why we saw the offense not just perform better, Ryan. Because, again, you and I were very clear before the weight game. Guys, I do not care about uh, margin of victory. I do not care about scoring 40 points against two bad defenses. How you get to those points. And when I break down the film, there were things that were like, we didn't really see that before. That's different. 
That's unique. What we always ask, why can't they scheme guys to get, why can't Notre Dame get guys wide open like every other team does? Well, guess what they had the last two weeks, Ryan? Guys coming wide open. Just like Tobias on a post route, Great House on an overcut, Faison on a deep route, Tobias on a post route yesterday that the ball didn't come to him. I mean, we saw seven or eight times the last two weeks where Notre Dame had just guys wide open for big plays. We never saw that. Why? Well, number one, you know, Jaden Greenhouse looks a lot faster when he's healthy, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, shocker. Uh, but it was also because they made changes and adaptations to what they do and how they attack the team. Now, may, maybe that was a whole – could have been a lot of things, but do I believe that Jared Parker – part of it is Jared Parker taking – I'll, I'll give you a little nugget. I talked to a guy who's been a great source of mine. Uh, I actually remember the board. And he was at – he he's at practices and he said that before the wake game he said they got on the off i mean they like there was a coach that just went off on the offensive line about how they need to be more physical and the mindset and all this other kind of stuff and i said who was it it was like it was jared parker right like that's taking control of this is my offense and we're gonna have this identity and 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 what did they do the last two games ryan much more physical, just coming out, punishing people. They played bad teams before, but you and I go back to listen to some of our shows in September. Like, yeah, they blocked well, but like, they're just not, they weren't dominating the way that we want them to dominate. I remember we talked about the Tennessee state game. You and I were both like, I didn't like the performance of against Tennessee state. They just were better than Tennessee state. I didn't like the performance against NC state loved. I mean, I thought central Michigan was an improvement. Ohio state was an improvement. And then they went back again. So to see that physicality is like something changed. Something something changed during the bye week. What was that? There's a lot of things that we hope to find out, some of which we won't, but it was different. There's no doubt that schematically, philosophically, what we saw the last two games was different than we right. saw the first 10. Now we gotta now we gotta see the the unanswerable for right now is will that also be true against Texas AM next year? Will it be true against Florida State next year? Will it be yep. true against Louisville next year? I don't know. I can't answer that. But I at least feel like if you can continue doing this, you got a chance to be really good against anybody you play next year with the talent you're going to have. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I think that for me, it's like I'm hopeful, Brandon, right, to your question. Like, I, I hope that's the case. I have seen some improvement. I mean, I came out of the Wake Forest game, and I'm like, guys, I don't care that they beat Wake Forest by 38 points. I care that what it looked like offensively after a couple of just kind of and drives right and you've started to get into that groove i think it looked great and outside of a couple turnovers against stanford again the offense was moving man like it was moving i mean it, so yeah i think that there are definitely things that are different ultimately it will only matter if you can do it against the best teams on your mm-hmm. schedule that's the only way it will be you know it there will always be a cap on your team if you are great against the bad, but then when you play against a good team, you shrivel up and you just kind of go to complacency and ball control and do that type of game, right? So I think that we saw good moments in the last two games. I need to see against Texas A&M. I need to see against the best teams on the schedule next year. If they do, then we're heading in a great direction. I just think that there's a mindset that needs to be changed in those biggest games, and I don't have an answer to if that has changed yet. I do have an answer mm-hmm. if things have changed. I do think some things have changed. Will it be against the teams that matter most? Right. That is a question. I have no idea about that yet. Because it's a lot easier to make those changes going into play Wake Forest 
where you're like, if it doesn't work, we're still going to win than it is to do it against Ohio State. It is. Now you just hope that because they did this, that all of a sudden you're, you know, you, you hey, we're more confident now that we can do these things against those better teams. That's the hope. Yep. That's the hope. We had another super chat. This one was from Joe Pachuta. I'm sorry. We're, um, I'm not, no, no I'm not. I didn't see what it that. said yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're not reading that. Sorry, y'all. Well, thank so, you for the super chat, Joe. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm not sorry because no, I, didn't, um, I didn't see yeah. what it said. So. <laughs> Just go look at the question. You'll see what I'm talking yeah. about. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows, and you'll need tickets, especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, game time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. We had Coleman Smith who says, Do you agree, even without Mitchell Evans, that the other three tight ends have shades of Kyle Rudolph, Holden? Wait, sorry, of shades of Rudolph. Wait, Kyle Rudolph. Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, but he's comparing. So, like, Eli Raritan compares to Kyle, uh, um, uh, Eli. Eli, I don't know what Stace means. Brock, I know Wright, that's, what, that's what I was confused. I'm like, why is Stace in this question? Again. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, maybe Stace reminds him of himself, but uh, uh yeah, uh, maybe he meant I don't know, Trumbull. I, I bet you he meant Trumbull. 
I bet you he meant okay. Tommy Trumbull on that one. And then Brock Wright would be like Cooper Flanagan, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Some I, I would, yeah. I would yeah. argue Eli Raiden's faster than Kyle Rudolph was, but body type, very similar. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Like, yeah. Definitely the closest we've seen to that kind of body type. Cooper Flanagan's much bigger than, than Brock. I don't think that comparison fits. I think the role that Cooper Flanagan had would be very similar, but I think – I think Brock and Cooper are very different athletes. I think Brock was a 245-pound guy that ran a 4.6 flat, actually a 4.59 at the pro day. Cooper's already 15 pounds bigger than Brock was as a senior. You know, he's a good inch and a half, inch taller. Yeah, and, and he's just a different type of athlete where Brock was more of a kind of a twitchy vertical guy. Cooper's more of a smooth, fluid, big guy. Um so that one, but the role that Cooper could play, certainly it'd be very similar to the one Brock would play if Brock stayed at Notre Dame. Or if Brock was like kind of the one or the two at Notre Dame, you know, good blocker, you know, can can make plays in the pass game, but blocker first, pass catcher second. Certainly, certainly that fits. Certainly that fits. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, I'm sure you watched Kyle Rudolph as from an NFL draft standpoint and a Notre Dame fan. How would you compare him and Eli Raritan as, as, as players and body type and skill sets and all that? I, th- I think body type's similar. I would, I, I think that Raritan's a, a better straight line athlete than Kyle was. I think Kyle was a good straight line athlete, but he was just more of a, he was going to win above the rim. He was going down the seam with length and, and just kind of his body type perspective. And yeah, and a developing blocker. So yeah, I think that they're similar ish. The, you know, what's funny is like body type Cooper Flanagan kind of reminds me of like Cole Komet a little bit, even though I think their games are pretty different, but like Cole Komet had kind of that long and he was 260 pounds and just like, didn't look like it was bad 260, you know, it was just like a big 260 something pounds. And that's what you Cooper think is, Coop- man. Like, Cooper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cooper's got a similar body type to Cole Komet again, not the same type of game, but like body type wise, because yeah. Cooper Flanagan's a, 260 something pound guy where it's like he could still gain weight and it, it wouldn't hurt him like he's just a he could legitimately probably play 265 270 a tight end and still be a, mm-hmm. a, a good athlete for the position yeah so yeah he's got a very interesting body yeah agree i love the tight end room and then and then when you do add mitchell evans to it i mean mitchell's really good this year i mean really good before his injury he was. and and honestly here, here's the blessing in disguise for me if I'm Mitchell Evans. Hopefully he comes back healthy next year. And I'm hoping that he got injured early enough in the season where he can come. I mean, he got injured before Eli Raritan got hurt last year, I believe. It's about the same time, close to the same time. I believe it's a little bit before. If he's back healthy next year, the good thing about all that depth is you don't have to play Mitchell as much. I mean, you can kind of, especially early in the season, like you can kind of bring him back slowly a little bit, Ryan. Like that's kind of what I mean because you will have so many other guys. You just don't bring him back and like, okay, 50 snaps like you did this year. And I think that'll help him, you know, with with that transition. But it's going to be very interesting to see kind of how that all plays out. Very, because there's they're, they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded next they year. Are. Here's a, a question, Ryan, that I'm going to bring up for you because I know you're very familiar with this player, but Beefeater asked, there's a Harvard D-line in the portal named Thor Griffith. Is it too much to ask to get a guy named on the DL named Thor? Um, that's a funny comment. Yes, that'd be great. But, Ryan, I know you're very familiar with Thor as a player. I am. What would your thoughts be if Notre Dame were to to, to target him in the portal? Because I know that, I mean, you and I have been talking about him for about a year. Yeah, he's a he's a guy that I think the NFL likes a good bit. Probably a late round draftable player. I mean, here's some intel for you guys. I know that Thor Griffith, if he chose to go into the 2024 NFL draft, 
would have had at least an East West shrine bowl invites mm-hmm. from the NFL. So he's well liked in those circles. He is six listed at six foot two, 320 pounds on Feldman's freak list this past year. He's actually been on Feldman's freak list the last two years. And he was number three, I think on the list this year, young man runs a sub five in the 40. I think he's been timed at four, nine, five. He's over 500 pounds on the bench over 700. I believe in the squat, just a workout warrior. He really is. So I've actually seen him in person. I was at the Harvard Princeton game this year as well. And I mean, the kid is just massively put together, man. He's a big, big, big dude. So if Notre Dame needs a, a another defensive lineman to come in in 2024 to play, would I be upset if they called Thor Griffith? Absolutely not. Actually, I would, I would be very happy with them calling Thor Griffith. He's a really, really good football player. And also depending on, what you want to do with him defensively because his body type says nose guard. I mean, he's 6'2", 320 pounds, but he is a really explosive athlete. Like he's had some tackle for loss numbers at Harvard. He's had some sack numbers. He can move around the defensive line a little bit. I think he can play between a, a shade and, and a three in an, in an even okay. front. I really like him a lot. So yeah, could man, he I mean, bump I w- out into like a four eye if they were playing like three down stuff, Ryan, or is he more of a pure guard, yeah. over guard center guy? I think he's more of a I haven't seen him on that Okay. Yeah, he, he's not the longest guy of all time, so I wouldn't worry about him playing like a 4-4-I four, four with okay. a little bit of length issues okay. there. So, like, he's definitely more of a three-shade nose type of kid. But, I mean, he's interchangeable, I think, to those two interior spots. And he's a really talented kid, and he's obviously graduated. And, I, guys, if you want to talk about guys that are going to put up in, uh, impressive offer lists as grad transfers, uh, just wait until Thor Griffith gets a couple more days in the transfer portal because he's yeah. going to have a lot of suitors. I know he already has a ton. I was told a couple teams that I know for a fact are going to offer him pretty soon here. I mean, there's a couple really nice interior players in general in the Ivy this year. There's also Joey Slackman from UPenn, who's another 6'4", 300-pound kid who was who's a first-team Ivy this past year who I think could also play a, a rotational role for Notre Dame if they chose to go that route. But it'll depend on numbers, obviously. We have – let's get uh, – we had one from Tommy. Uh, let's see here. Where was the one? Here's here here's a, a question, Brian. And and this was brought up yesterday on the chat. And I'm going to respond to a, a question from John Harvell about this on the board as well. But I wanted okay. to get to in the mailbag today as well. Tommy said, "What's your thoughts on a faster tempo offense being able to create more explosive plays? How much, if any, does the pace of an offense increase the likelihood of more explosive plays?" Well, I mean, it it it, it does from the standpoint of just volume. I mean, if if you and I generate explosive plays at the same rate per play and you run a hundred more plays than I run. I'm not great at math, Ryan, but you're going to have more explosive plays than I do. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's merit to that, but I, I, I also think that you're also going to have, if you and I give up negatives at the same rate, you're going to have more negatives that than, than I will. If you run a hundred more plays than I run, I've always felt this. If you're a tempo team, then you lean into it and you you take the good and the bad because there's pros and cons to any system. You have to weigh, okay, are the pros and the cons worth it? And can we recruit to that style? Those are the questions you have to ask yourself. But if you're a team that wants to go tempo, then go tempo. Just recruit to it. Means Which means what, Ryan? You need kind of... You need to figure out what your run game is going to be. Do I need big physical guys that are going to block in tight airs? Do I need more athletic guys? Depending on if we're going to be a heavy pen and pull team, or you know, like Oklahoma used to get like those really physical kids because they would like do G wrap and tackle wrap, but they weren't like a heavy pen and pull. They were they were kind of a between the tackles run game, pull and throw outside. I'm talking pre 
pre-brent venables like with with like lincoln riley and stuff with uh ben ball as you know as you know, line coach and things like that and then you say okay well or, or oregon back in the day was a little bit more of an athlete they, they needed more athletes in the offensive line because chip kelly ran the heck out of outside zone and getting the ball outside so you know can i recruit to whatever my run style is but then it's i need a lot of depth i need a lot of running backs and a lot of receivers because i can't put 90 plays a game on my receivers where if i'm running more of a pro style um, you know, 65 plays a game, my, my starting receivers can play a much higher percentage of the snaps than they can if I'm, if I'm going the other way. So there's certain things you got to do. Can you recruit to it? Uh, but I also believe that you can be a great offense that's not pushing the tempo, uh, but you've got to be very it, – it's about efficiency and explosiveness, and you've got to be very precise, and and there's merit to that. But, but Ryan and I agree on one thing for sure, whether you're a – pro style guy that believes in it's okay to not go hundred miles an hour or your, you know, or your tempo guy, even tempo, it's the same thing for them. Some of the biggest mistakes tempo teams make is not being able to slow it down when you need to slow it down and run the clock and teams that like to slow it down. The mistake they make is not being able to speed it up and and mix up tempos when teams need to, to, when you need to mix it up. And I'm not talking two minute drill. And that's why I always talk. What's one of the things I love about Andy Ludwig? I've said this before. He does a really good job of mixing up the tempo within the game. So you always have to be able to change speeds, whether you're a team that goes fast and you need to slow it down or you're a team that goes slow down and at times you need to kind of speed it up a little bit. You've got to be able to mix it up. But no matter what you're doing, you've got to be efficient and you've got to be explosive in what you do. And right. if so to me, it's 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 the percentage of your explosives per play, not volume of explosives. So that's the thing I would say is, does it increase the number of explosives you're going to make? Yes, it does, because you have more plays. Does it naturally mean that you're going to have more explosives per play? Not necessarily, no. I don't think it necessarily does. Yeah. No, I I heard it was Yursich who said this, who was the Penn State offense coordinator that got fired. <laughs> but in the offseason, they, they asked him about, you know, what, what analytics you really dive into, like what stats mean most to you. And he said, it was the yard. It was the points per drive and the points per play stuff was really what they take a look at because that points to efficiency at the end of the day, right? I don't care about being a high octane, super fast offense. I care as a defensive player. I hated switching tempos as as my mind as my thought process. I either wanted to have to think fast or I wanted to have to think slow, and then I would get into whatever my assignment was. That was. I want it to be comfortable. And I think that when you switch up tempo and you switch up pace, that hurts a defense a ton. So, yes, I think that Notre Dame, when things are going well, might need to go into the pace a little bit, right? You need, you need to feed into that a little bit more. When things aren't going well, then maybe let's slow things out. Let's reevaluate. Let's get going here and get back on track. And then you capture the momentum when you have the opportunities there. So, yeah, I agree 100% in that regard. Right. Next question is from Irish Blooded. Do you think Sam Hartman should play the bowl to help him in the draft, or should Notre Dame let him know they want to start someone else for game time experience for next season? Uh, I'm going to say this. I don't think it's either one of those things. I think it's who gives you the best chance to win the bowl game. Notre Dame in year two of Marcus Freeman needs to win the bowl game. They have to be a game better than they were a year ago. It may not seem like a lot to some people. Ah, what's the difference? Look, 10 wins versus nine wins perception wise matters. It just does. 
They need to win the game. If that's if you truly believe Steve Angeli gives you the best chance to beat whoever you play in the bowl game, then play Steve Angeli. If you think Dylan Devison gives you the best chance to beat whoever you play in the bowl game, then play Dylan, play Kenny Minchie, play whoever. This staff believes that the guy that gives them the best chance to win the game is Sam Hartman. Agree or disagree with that, but that's what they need to do. So if they truly believe that, then they need to, if he wants to play, then you play him. If Sam decides he doesn't want to play because he don't want, doesn't want to risk injury or whatever, that's 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 his that's his choice. But I still believe in 2023, for all my frustrations with Sam, I still believe there's not a doubt in my mind that Sam Hartman gives Notre Dame the best chance to beat whoever they're going to play in the ballgame. I flat out believe that. Now you've got a whole month to prepare to get him ready to go execute it at a high level. And I feel confident in that. He's going to read – much better in the bowl game than he did against Stanford or Wake Forest because he's going to have more reps, more time to prepare for it, more time in the film room. So absolutely, Ryan, if Sam Hartman was playing the bowl game, I'm starting him in the bowl yeah. game. Now do what I maybe have a plan for. Maybe we've talked about that, but they've got to win this game. They've got to yeah. win this game. It's imperative that they win this game. They do. I mean, you need to get to that 10th win. You need to kind of, Show improvements over last season, right? Going nine and four in back-to-back years, there's no growth that happened there, even though it's yeah. and context context is that this year's schedule was better than last year's, but still you want to show improvement in the win column perspective perspe- uh, perspective. And for me, this this bold prep is going to be about evaluation, right? I mean, if you feel like after these few days, you know, these few days that someone else gives you a better chance to win over Sam Hartman, then fine. That's fine. If Sam chooses that he doesn't want to play in the bowl game because maybe he has an East-West Shrine invite in his back pocket and he doesn't want to hurt himself, it's fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't care what the end result is. I care what the process is. And the process is always stay the same of competition, competition, competition. I don't want to, I don't want that to stop now. I want that to continue. And if Sam Hartman's the best player to play in the bowl game, it's the best player to play in the bowl game. And then offseason is about who's the next guy after Sam Hartman. That's the next step. That's you nailed it though, Ryan. When is that off season? Yeah, because it'd be a li- I'll say this I might think differently if we all knew who the next quarterback was going to be. Like, if it was a no brainer, you know, look, the heir apparent's this guy, you know, okay, maybe then, maybe we might have that conversation. But it, it's it's not. So you give a start to Kenny to Steve Angeli, and there's a chance he may not be your starter next year. Then what did you gain from that? What if Kenny Minchie beats him out? What if CJ Carr beats him out? What if a portal guy comes yeah. and beats him out? So you lost a bowl game potentially for a guy that may not even be your starter next year. That's the other part of it too, right? Is because yeah. it's not a it's not a clear line of secession at quarterback for Notre Dame, right? Like well, it would have me- been like let's just say let's hypothetically. Let's say 2020 Bama's not in the playoff. Let's just say they're playing in the Sugar Bowl, not in the playoff. And Mac Jones decide, you know, is, is you know going to go pro. And and you say, okay, do we do we do we move on from Mac Jones and play Bryce Young? That's a different conversation than because like if they didn't play in the playoff it means they dropped a couple games they shouldn't have similar situation what Notre Dame's going through you get you get the parallel the correlate do you say would I have had a conversation about you know maybe not playing him in the bowl game or maybe encouraging him to, to quote opt out so that I could get some experience for Bryce Young who was clearly going to be my quarterback the next year I'd be more open to that type of conversation 
than what is the current reality of Notre Dame is we have no idea who their quarterback is going to be next year. Is it Minchie? Is it Carr? Is it Angeli? Is it a portal guy? We have no idea. That only enhances my desire to say, I don't care right now. What I care about right now is win the bowl game. Because here's the thing, right? All the people that say bowl games don't matter will be the first ones in here bitching if Notre Dame loses it because they played a backup quarterback. Sure. First ones in here complaining about it, if that's the case. They've got to win the bowl game. You need that momentum going to the offseason. You need the 10th win, 100%. You do, 100%. I mean, yeah, I don't even remember what I was going to say, but yeah, I agree with you. One for the Gipper, Super Chat. Thank you so much, sir. The offense is breaking records in year one. That I hope, sorry, that, that, uh, I'm trying to understand what that says. Um, year one, hope then they, the hope they make the, the year two jump like the defense did. Okay. Yeah. Are you too worried about maybe replacing 10 starters on defense? I mean, sure. Yeah. I mean, anytime you replace 10, your 10 starters on either side of the football, that's going to be a situation where you're going to have some growing pains potentially. And I mean, there, you also have to evaluate the roster as far as yeah. is there a position where you're not okay with replacing a starter this right. off season. I mean, that always happens. Right. So, I mean, I, the concerns are always going to be there. One for the Gipper though. I mean, but ultimately you have a lot of talent coming in and if mm-hmm. the staff has done a good job of, Developing those kids on a day-to-day basis, right? If Mac, if Max Bulla and Coach Mickens and Coach O'Leary and Coach Washington have done a great job of developing those guys on a day-in and day-out process, then you feel okay as far as maybe them retaining that knowledge and that information that they need to do in order to be successful. If not, you might see some growing pains, but at least they're going to be fast growing pains, right? You're going to have a lot of speed on the defense next year. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing it being 10 starters, Ryan. I think at least one or two additional guys will come back along with Benjamin Morrison. Like, I think at least one of the defensive linemen will come back, if not two. Between Watts and the three linebackers, one's going to come back. I mean, I just – so I get where you're coming from. But, yeah, that's always a concern. But that's also why you need the offense to make that year two jump. Because you know what can be a great asset to a young defense? Take the pressure off because we're out there scoring 42 a game, you know, and, right. and yeah. But, but again, you've got to do it in the big games too. You can't, you can't ask, like you can't ask the defense that's going to lose, even if they lose seven starters. Like let's say Cross, Mills, Watts, and Morrison all come back. Mm-hmm. You're still losing seven starters. That's a lot. And, and you, you can't ask them to go out there in game one. And go win us a ball game. You know what I mean? Like, no, play your role, but we're going to help you out today because we're going to go out there and rip this defense up. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be that. It's got to be that, in my opinion. Good question. Michael S. says, Andy Ludwig in Utah had a down year. Did Notre Dame luck out on not getting him? No, guys. Stop that, man. I mean, mean, he played the whole year without without a starting quarterback. Yeah. And at times was playing his third-string quarterback. And played a very tough schedule. They played Florida, Baylor, UCLA, Oregon State on the road, um, UCA, USC on the road. One, they played Oregon, Washington, and Arizona. And yeah, I mean they they lost some games, but their offense wasn't great this year. But they right, and, and it wasn't. They had a lot of injuries on offense this year. They had running backs out out at times. They had receivers out at times. They had offensive linemen out at times. Like true, it was just one of those years. Starting at left tackle. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. They literally, at, at a point, guys, they were like, you know what? Sione Vaki, who's one of the better nickel safeties in college football, they're like, you need to come play offense full time because we don't have answers here, right? And he so, averaged yeah. 7.6 yards a carry, Ryan, on 42 carries, right? Like, Jaquindon Jackson missed time. Like, yep. it just, it was a, you know, Bryson Barnes, who was their starter, he missed some time. You know, it's like, it was just one of those weird years. And, no, I mean, I, I don't – I think Andy Ludd that, – that, that team had no business going eight and four. No business going eight and four with all the losses they had. Not just the losses they had from this year's team, but the guys they lost from last year's team, the, the big-time players they lost off of last year's team. So, no, they did not They did not luck out not getting him. Andy, Andy Ludwig didn't all of a sudden forget how to coach offense after doing it for 15, 20 years. I mean, come he was the OC for Utah when they beat Alabama and then went undefeated back in 08. Like so the guy knows how to call the, a game. Was also the OC for for Utah last year that averaged over thirty eight points a game. As and well. yes, so, correct. Yeah. The back to back Pac twelve champions. He they yeah. were thirty six one the year before that with Cameron with Cameron rising at quarterback. So yeah, he no he he that he would have been a really good hire for Notre Dame. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Caleb Collins said thoughts on Jonathan Smith to Michigan State. I know we talked about this on the the game day chat show, mm-hmm. Ryan, but I I I love the hire. I really do. I think that Michigan State right now, they don't need flash. They need substance and they need a program builder and a guy that's okay with building from the ground floor in this situation and getting high school recruiting back to the forefront, not just getting guys from the portal every single year and trying to Make it work on a year-to-year basis. And so I think Jonathan Smith, you're going to take your lumps early on at Michigan State, as he did his earliest part of his Oregon State tenure. But the second half of that tenure is when you're really going to see them take a nice step forward. So I love Jonathan Smith. I think that he is the program builder that Michigan State needs. And Ryan, I express some concerns about when you bring a coach in outside of a region that is imperative that you recruit that region. But there are things that you can do to, to alleviate that, we saw Matt Rule do that. I was like, Matt Rule going to Baylor? Like, that doesn't – but what did he do? Didn't he add, like, like five high school coaches to his staff? Like, some were assistants, some were analysts. He brought in people that knew the region. That, that, that's what you do. Find some guys with Midwest ties. Go hire some guys that have coached in the Big Ten. Go hire – you know, find a guy, to, you know, a couple of top high school coaches in, in, in Michigan to be on your recruiting staff or an analyst for you. There's lots of things you can do. Uh, but Ryan, you nailed it. Everything. It's not just about program developer, but I, but my point was this on the other night, Ryan, there, certain teams have to win a certain way. Like I don't think Notre Dame can win being a throw it all over the field air raid team because of who they are, the players they can recruit and the geography of who they are. I, I mean, just playing in, an hour away from the a lake that's going to give you heavy winds and cold in, in November, things like that. So it's like, you know, Michigan State needs to be a team that can run the football and play great defense. That's how Michigan State wins. Every team that we've ever seen that was good at Michigan State that I can remember, that's exactly what they were. They could run the football and play great defense. And their quarterback play was good. But, like, Connor yeah. Cook was a product of a great team more so than he made the team great, in my opinion. And – um that's what Michigan State has to be, and that's exactly who Jonathan Smith is. It's exactly who he is as a coach. Yeah. And 
I I think it's a I think it's a great hire as long as he's able to make the things that the the the, the staff hires needed to make that adjustment smoother. Like he can't bring his whole Oregon State staff with him. You just, just can't. You know what I mean? Like you're going to bring some, but if you can, but you, you're going to have to you're going to have to mix and match some different things. And I I think if he does that, you'll he's going to be very good. And he his his he he very much fits the the Big Ten in my opinion, in a lot of ways, other than geography, other than a ge- geographical resume, his personality fits it extremely well. He used one of those running backs to transfer over with him, though. But, yeah. that No, I meant staff. Players, that's a different oh, no, I know. Yes. Oh, no, yeah. I was just I was just having an yeah. additional yeah. conversation. He's got yeah. some dudes there. But, but isn't that yeah. kind of your point, though, Ryan? Look at the talent yeah. he's, a, he's accumulated at Oregon freaking State. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, yep. he's a heck of a coach. Heck of a coach. Re- really like John. I like him a lot. Like him a lot. Here's another we one from Caleb. A- Caleb Collins says, if Malik Murphy entered the portal, would you look at him? I feel like a no. minute probably, but then I yeah. wouldn't pursue it. So I like Malik Murphy a lot, Caleb. We've had we've been asked about Malik Murphy before. My issue is I just don't I don't think adding Malik Murphy necessarily moves the needle for you because you're still in the same boat. You're gonna have to develop them. You're gonna have to. He's gonna have to learn the offense. He doesn't have a lot of experience. He made what once two spot starts this year for Texas. Did some yeah. good things in those starts. I mean, they won both games. That's the key, right? But if if Notre Dame's gonna go to the portal for a starting quarterback, in my opinion, they need to go to the portal for a guy that has experience. Yeah, and he doesn't. He really he he doesn't have the the necessary experience. So. And if you're going to go with a young guy, go with Minchie or go with CJ Carr, who I also think are very talented quarterbacks. So that that would be my stance. Ryan, you see it any different? Or are we on the same page? No, no. I need I need a if we're if you're going for the portal for a guy to potentially start, I want a guy with a lot more experience than Malik Murphy. And it's no shot at Malik Murphy, but you have young guys that you can develop and that you can groom mm-hmm. to be that guy, right? Like, why not just roll with Kenny Minchie? Why not roll with CJ Carr as a true freshman if that was your stance on it, right? So. I'm, I I want experience if I'm going to the portal for a guy that's going to start next year. So we had another question from Riley Bly who says, does Aldrich SMA play in the bowl game to get a single season rushing record, regardless of if he decides to stay or go pro? I, I doubt that Audric would make a decision. I mean, I, I look, if, if he's going to go pro, if he's going to play in the game, I think it's, it's first and foremost, we have unfinished business. Now, if a byproduct of that is breaking the record, sure. But I could see him playing in the bowl game, even if he's going to go pro. But I don't think the only reason would be to to, to get the record, honestly. Because if, if he does, then he won't be locked in the way he needs to be locked in. It's about let's go out in there and win this football game. Because it's like, so are you going to be a cancer on the sideline if the game plan requires us to throw the ball more and you can't get that? You know, like. I think Audric would come back because he feels him and his this, this team have unfinished business. That's what I think it would be. And then hopefully a byproduct of that, depending on who you play, is is you know he can set the record, but he'd need a big game to yeah. set the record. Right. He would. Well, I mean, I just ate. guys, I feel like I'm very like player oriented as far as like pro, pro player here. Audric doesn't need to play, man. I know it'd be cool if he broke the record and everything, mm-hmm. but like. You don't need to play seven. Like you don't need to play, man. I'm sorry, right. and it's, especially if you're going pro. Like I, you just don't need to play in this game. It's just not. I, I, I have two thoughts on it. Number one is just my personal feeling. I hate that. 
I hate that you said that. And I hate that that's the reality. I, I do. I hate it. But it is the reality. It right. is the new normal. And I don't like it. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, that's the decisions the kids are making that's for their future. I'm just a believer that just if it was if the world was how I wanted the world to be, you started this thing, you see it through. You play the bowl game, it's part of your season. You see it through. Uh, but that's not the reality of, of where we are. And like you said, Ryan, there's nothing more that Audric has to make improve by playing in a bowl no. game. If no. he wants to break the record, great. I mean, I think he'd need like 130 something yards. And so to me, it'd be, it'd be one thing. I'll say this, I'll say this. And and I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. If he was like 30 or 40 yards away, then I could under, I could see a scenario in which Notre Dame decides to bring him back and say, Hey, we're going to go out there. We're going to run our offense. And the, the minute you break the record, you know, we're, we're going to pull you out. But, you know, actually he doesn't need as much as I thought, but he's still 96 yards away. And he's gotten less than 96 yards in more games this year than he has rushed for over 96 yards. I mean, he's he's gotten that five times, and he hasn't gotten that seven times. Now, a couple times he was close. He had two 95-yard games and an 87 and 81, but it's not a given he's going to get that. So do you really want to risk getting your knee blown out or ankle busted up? to break a record he's already yeah. set one record he set the all-time touchdowns record i care more a lot more about that than yards i know yards is the sexy number we look at but do you care that a guy rushed for more yards or the guy scored more touchdowns right. that's that's what i care about so quinn kibler what's up quinn was stanford's offense the most gimmicky we saw all year i thought so gimmicky hmm. i wouldn't call it gimmicky well, quinn i, I, I would say that. wake Forest was more gimmicky than stanford was I I would say I would agree with that slightly more. Yeah. I mean, when you yeah. think about some things that they did. Yeah. I, I didn't think Stanford was like overly gimmicky. I just think that Stanford is just a little bit like exotic with some things they do and they just have a lot yeah. of diversity to what they do. I mean, I, I didn't, I mean like Wake Forest was running like, you know, reverse passes and like trying to throw screen passes and like mm-hmm. do all that type of stuff. Like I, I didn't find Stanford gimmicky. I just think that they are, that's how, that's how their offense is. I mean, that's how Troy Taylor runs his offense, though, in general. Mm-hmm. Like, they are very, we're going to out-leverage you. We're going to give you a lot of different looks, and we're going to be okay with hitting the corner. We're going to be okay with running counters and, you know, a lot of count counters in the run game and the pass game. So I actually didn't find it gimmicky at yeah. all. I just I think it's creative is how I would. Well, and the other thing, too, Ryan, is, you know, Bryce Farrell on the year has 21 carries. Tiger Bachmeyer has two carries. Those are both. You know, Benjamin Urasek had 11 rushes as a tight end. Now, I think the Sam Roush uh, jet sweep was dumb because he's not Benjamin Urasek. But that's right there. That's 32. That's 34 carries to receivers and tight ends. So, like, when they run that jet look, that's just part of who – like, to your point, that when they run that jet reverse and then the fake off, that's just kind of what they do. Is it gimmicky? Yeah, it's, it's gimmicky. But um, I think Wake Forest – Wake Forest did more stuff that – that that in the way that I take it, Wake Forest did more stuff that was out of their character than what Stanford did in that game, right. in my opinion. And uh, Central Michigan, I'd have to, I gotta have to go back and remember that game. I kind of remember I thought Michigan, Central Michigan tried to do some stuff like that, but I'd have to go back and and look at it. <laughs> <laughs>
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.